Welcome at the Technology Labs podcast number 18. I'm Tom. I'm Rick. Our guest is Ron. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron Meijer. Uh, welcome in the Technology Labs podcast today. Uh, maybe it's good for our audience that you uh, uh, tell a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, uh, indeed, my name is Ron Meyer. Uh, I'm professor of strategic leadership at the TIA School for Business and Society at Tilburg University in the Netherlands. Um, and I'm also a professor of strategic leadership at the Antwerp Management School at the University of Antwerp in Belgium. Well, right. that sounds like a lot, but that's only the two <laughs> days a week. <laughs> I'm at both universities for one day, nice. and the other three days in the week, um, I'm the uh, managing director of the Center for Strategy and Leadership. And that's an organization that guides companies in their strategy development. So the other three days a week, I'm in the field. Wow, nice, nice. Well, it already points a little bit towards the, the topic of this uh, this podcast, uh, strategic leadership and uh, yeah, what, what is behind it, what, what's going on in that area. So we're definitely going to dive a little bit deeper into that topic later on. And uh, well, as usual, we start our podcast uh, with our tech updates. Uh, and uh, well, I'd like to invite Rick to start with your tech update. What did you bring for us today? Yeah. Well... I found an article about uh, uh, from a, an institution called SAE, and it looks like they don't want to use their original name anymore, but it is the Society for Automobile Engineers, but I guess they do more than automobiles nowadays. But what they recently published is a updated version of the levels of autonomous driving. Oh. and. Uh, to, well, maybe somewhat of my surprise, my car is already a uh, autonomous car because I have, uh, and it's, uh, oh, and now I would have to look it up while I do it from the top <laughs> of my head, but I think it's a, they have levels. So the old fashioned Volkswagen Beetle would qualify as a level zero car, uh, autonomous car. And there's no electronics whatsoever in the car. Okay. Uh, and my car has uh, um, it, both uh, uh, adaptive cruise control and lane assist. Okay. And because it has both these features, it qualifies as a level three autonomous car. So that's, uh, and that means that it's still, uh, it, it can drive by itself, but you still need to be uh, awake and grab the wheel as soon as the car tells you that it can't do it uh, uh, himself. Mm -hmm. uh, but the good thing, and of course I already knew that, is if you, for example, uh, well, uh, let's take, uh, let's say you want to uh, peel a banana while driving. Well, I can perfectly do that because for a couple of seconds you can leave everything to the car. But uh, you you cannot read the newspaper like you would be able in a, a level four or level five car. Okay, okay, but you okay peeling a banana, then you would shift your attention right from the road to well, peeling a banana in that case. So yeah, yeah. Well, but if the cars in front of you start braking, then the, your own car also okay. starts braking. Okay. okay. And if the lanes go left, then the car steers left uh, yeah. and and follows the lanes. Uh, but if you don't take any action for a longer time, 
then the car will interrupt. And okay. of course, I'm a, a professional in the area of quality and testing. <laughs> so I thought, what happens if I don't respond to the car? Uh -huh. So, well, and what happens is first it shows a message in the screen after, well, it's maybe like half a minute or so. If you didn't do anything yourself, then it says, uh, please keep the wheel uh, so you uh, and need to keep the steering wheel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you don't respond then it gives a beep so the, yeah you get a quite a noisy beep and then you know oh i have to do something and if you still don't respond then probably you have fallen asleep so what the car <laughs> does and i thought this is really uh, well invented by the people who, who uh, thought of that the car uh, brakes but for a very short uh, moment but it brakes very hard so the car doesn't actually slow down but it shakes heavily so if you would have fallen asleep you're definitely awake by then <laughs> and what it does if you still don't respond i don't know because then i thought well maybe now i've <laughs> tested enough it's nice uh, to now, that's, that's the conf confidence you have to have in your own car, or in this case, or in the safety systems of that car. That what happens next no, is well, also safe. Uh, uh, a, a, a nice, a graceful, a graceful teardown, it's called, right? Yeah, well, I, I, I still think I should one day try and see what happens. Uh -huh. when, and what I that's hope up. it will do is that it sl will slow down between the lines and then come to a slow stop or something like that because if you have really fallen into a deep sleep or worse then probably you don't want to drive indefinitely but you also can't steer the car away or something so i don't know but that, that's probably the the most important thing in uh, uh autonomous cars is is the decisions the car has to take and and in some way, that's of course again a management uh, uh, issue, uh, because uh, uh, what do you do in what situation, uh, mm -hmm. and what's the safest way? Yeah. So maybe we can find a link there to uh, Ron's <laughs> uh, field of expertise. Uh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm also curious right now about because you mentioned there's an update, right, on the levels of autonomous driving. What What is the update? What's the ex actual update? Well, I have been trying to find that out but it looks like the update was a minor update ah, okay. um so the 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 levels uh, were still there but i think it is especially in the wording per level uh, that it differs a bit oh, okay. Um, okay, okay, okay and and the, also there is an extra mark that shows that on the levels one two and three uh the person in the driver's seat is actually expected to drive the car and at levels four and five the people in the car uh, don't need to be able to drive the car anymore oh, okay 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 so you don't have to be in the driver's seat even i think uh, they don't have to be in the driver's seat okay. and maybe even there is no driver's seat wow yeah i haven't thought about that yet that that would be the case for le higher level autonomous cars but yeah interesting uh, curious to see how the the shape of the car then will evolve eh? the, like the the first cars that that came into being after the horse and carriage first they looked like a carriage and uh, then the, the shape of the car changed uh, completely and now we have some yeah, uh, 
I think we have at least something that can change the shape or the, the appearance of a car completely when you do not need a real driver's seat anymore, right? Yeah. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Let's let's see in the uh, in the rest of this podcast how it links to uh, well to management models and to maybe some strategic thinking about this. Yeah. Indeed. Um, uh, my tech item uh, that I've chosen uh, for today is uh, an article that I've read. Uh, we, we have been talking on this podcast, I believe, a while ago on the GPT-3 engine. That's, that's a neural network engine that can write articles. Uh, it's, an, uh, yeah, it's a machine learning uh, m- yeah, machine <laughs> uh, entity, even, <laughs> you might call it, that can uh, write whole articles or um, can write uh, news yeah, news items. Uh, it it has done so already. I believe it appeared in the in a couple in in one or two journals or magazines that they let GPT three write an article on a specific topic. And it can do that, al- although a little bit. Yeah, it's it's still in 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 child's uh, shoes, I would say, because it's. Uh, uh, I believe the degree of the articles that it can write is uh, comparable to first or second year university students. Something like that. That that was the analogy that was made. So, what kind of articles they write or papers yeah, I, they write? That that's what GPT three was also able to do. So now, is it also the kind of articles like, for example, you ha- you want to s- make a short article about a, a sports match, and then you have the outcome, and then it just makes an article about the results? Yeah, kind of, kind of. And I think, yeah, well, sport, sport match is a bit difficult because that's a dynamic activity and the GPT-3 cannot look at the at the match in this case and then write an article about it, but it can write an article about a technological topic like 3D printing or something like that. And then it will write something about the history and about the latest technology and uh, uh, what's an okay. upcoming event, for example, on this topic. That, that, can, that kind of articles it can write, so... That is interesting, that that engine is there and there's a lot of experimenting going on and making it better in uh, uh, university environments. But now there's an article uh, appeared that triggered my attention that said AI could soon write code based on ordinary language. And in this case, code is computer code. So uh, it can write a computer program based on ordinary language. And uh, there's a nice movie demo, very short demo. So it's also very premature. Um, uh, but uh, it, it showed um, uh, a nice piece of natural language saying, give me all the U.S. citizens born in 1983 in Chicago, something like that. And that's a natural sent- sentence, query in this case. And it would write a piece, I believe it was C-sharp code um, that could access a database and then creates the query and retrieves the data and puts it on the screen. So basic code, but still uh, from natural language, it, it generated this this yeah, couple of lines of code and they were working, actually working lines of code, of course, since it's uh, still in a, um, uh, what is it, in a research environment, I think this is uh, heavily tuned towards something that is really working. Uh, on the other hand, it shows the possibilities of what, yeah, what can be achieved with natural language converted into code. And of course, in testing, we see stuff going on on this area with behavior-driven development or behavior-driven testing. Yeah, uh, test cases written in kind of natural languages, yeah, given the situation, 
when a step occurs, uh, then something else occurs. Some, uh, that's a nice way of writing stuff down that can be automated. And then automated tests can be derived from also natural language. But in this case, it's really the code generated based on it. So yeah, uh, uh, there's no human interference anymore. So you can go from natural language, and in this case, typed natural language. But yeah, if we put a natural language interpreter from uh, uh, that, that builds from uh, speech to text, then you could just talk to your computer and it would create code. So I, yeah, I <laughs> think it's a nice step in yeah. uh, what we could do, right? Yeah, before we know it, the computer does everything autonomously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you could now, well then start a debate on uh, how scary this could be for uh, machines taking over the world eventually uh, and uh, going into apocalyptic uh, stories. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a nice way of seeing how research is taking place on these areas. And, and maybe now, now come to think of it while explaining this, I just realized that this also paves the road for maybe some handicapped people that are uh, not able to get a job as a programmer in what way, uh, in, uh, visually impaired or whatever, uh, or they had uh, an accident and were great programmers, that this could be yeah, a nice way of, of helping out and uh, uh, yeah, getting them back into their jobs or uh, supporting them in a, in, in, a, in a way. Yeah. So good things, good things. Nice articles, nice uh, uh, tech updates. Um, Ron, have you mayhaps found some tech-related news items in the last week or so that you that triggered your uh, attention? Well, the, the, just coincidentally, um, it, it wasn't necessarily a news article, but I was speaking to some people at uh, TomTom and TNO. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and so I had to think about it when, when you mentioned the autonomous uh, vehicles, Rick, um, th that they, of course, are also in the thick of it um, because the, uh, the big question will be whether the intelligence is going to be in the car or whether the intelligence is going to be in the road mm. or whether the intelligence is going to be in, in other systems which are guiding his vehicles. Um, so I, I think it's a, a particularly uh, interesting question to ask. Um, and of course, the, one of the big questions they have is who's going to dominate the technology? Um, and uh, of course, we've seen in other areas so where seemingly very nice small startups mm -hmm. now becomes a big, big tech is, uh, <laughs> dominating a certain sector. Um, yeah. Who's going to dominate the entire field uh, of autonomous vehicles? Um, I thought that was a, a particularly interesting question. Is it going? Are there going to be multiple systems, or is it going to be a winner-takes-all type of platform? I, I was just about to say, the Rick, that I, I wouldn't worry. There's always going to be a need for crash test dummies. Um, <laughs> so you know, you could you could always keep on doing testing, but you know, you you just have to be a little bit more hands-on. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is but, true. Uh, I, I, I was wondering if they uh, think that indeed there will be a dominating party or that it will be a network of all sorts of companies who uh, work in this field. Eh? Because uh, I think hey, you were mentioning 
is the intelligence in the car, in the road, or etc. But I think it will be not or, 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 but end, end, end. One of the use cases with autonomous cars is that they can communicate with traffic lights so that they already know that a traffic light is red, even though it's around the corner, so they can't see it. Um, and that's the kind of new things that are possible. But uh, there, uh, I, I'm very curious in, in what sense companies like TomTom see a link with the, the whole uh, management of how this whole ecosystem would work. Well, it, it, you know, if you just uh, use the example we, we've just seen in the last couple of weeks um, that the, the company uh, responsible for Fortnite um, uh, taking huh? Apple to court yeah, Epic Games. Uh, yeah, Apple Epic Games. Saying, yeah. Oh, every everyone is allowed to 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 make his uh, games, and and you're allowed to have your music. And no, we're a network, is which is open to everyone as long as you pay thirty percent to Apple. So <laughs> the, yeah. the question is, what what we mean by a network? So if there's one party which is dominating the network. Yeah. Uh, that then then you know it's open to everyone as long as you pay a fee. Yeah, and interesting. Um, and the interesting case here as well is that I believe in court they are also delivering the situation that they say, okay, uh, you have the Apple network, but it's not we are not a monopoly because you also have the apps, the, the Play Store of Google, and you have multiple other platforms which you can choose from. So we are not dominating the market. Huh? That's that's what they say. Uh, and you yeah. can still choose not to go to our app store and not to pay the 30%, right? So it's a really <laughs> interesting case that they, they, they built there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, and it sounds like uh, I, I would say that too if I were a near monopolist. Uh, <laughs> but, of course. You don't, you don't have to take the Pfizer vaccine. You can also decide... There's a nice Chinese one, which uh, you know, it's it's also good. To say, probably a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you have a choice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but is it a real choice? Yeah. So in in yeah. in and maybe this is indeed a, a nice link to to the whole topic of strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 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 a lot of technology areas. The question is always: Is there is this going to be a winner-takes-all type of market, so where you can you can be the dominant player um, if if you're in the right position? So if you're the one creating the platform, uh, I think that a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of companies in the U.S. would say. Uh, if you look, for instance, at uh, at the shopping experience. Amazon is becoming really, really big. Um, and you can decide not to sell your goods through Amazon. Um, but is that really an alternative? Um, and of course, we saw the same thing a generation ago when it came to Microsoft, who dominated the desktop. He said, no, you, you don't have to use Windows. You can use something else. Uh, yeah, sure. So. <laughs> There's a lot of technologies wh- where there's potential for a dominant player. We call that literally a network effect. If you're the one running the network say, and say you can become a dominant player uh, and, and these markets then become very uncompetitive. 
and there's a lot of money to be made is if you're that dominant player right right so and that's why in this case apple and epic games go to court against each other because well yeah, yeah. obviously the huge amounts of money involved uh, uh, in this case uh so it's a, yeah. it's just because oh, that's an interesting one eh? we're talking strategy now and i'm directly thinking about this could seriously damage uh, uh not only apples but also well maybe not not that big for for uh, epic games but also a little bit their uh yeah their brand eh? because of the fact that when they lose they lose a little bit face as well but for Apple, it can mm-hmm. shape a kind of a precedent that not only Epic Games oh, goes this route, that that the whole, well, the whole store, the whole app store is is then yeah going to want to do the same thing, right? I mean, uh, uh, the 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 consequences consequences can be huge. Absolutely. This was why the just last week there was the Apple Developers Conference. Right. That that was a tricky message for Apple because Apple has always positioned itself as the best friend of the developer, and yeah. you know it, it, it used to be first there was IBM was the bad guy, so, <laughs> then, then Microsoft was the bad guy, so, and you know side with us against the dark side. So, so, so we so we're the we're the young rebels. <laughs> it turns out that that Anakin Skywalker has now just become Darth Vader. Yeah. So Apple is is not now Apple's the bad guy. Yeah. Because they're taking 30% of your revenue and and for what? Yeah. And they and they try to be, you know, look look rebellious, but if you look at the profit levels, <laughs> they're making huge monopolistic uh, profits. Yeah. Yeah. And and try to explain to the average developer why we're not running any risk the developer is running the risk yeah. and the developer is paying 30 yeah. percent hmm. yeah that's yeah that's, that's... that's a very tough message so it, I, I think that the tide might be turning on apple as not being the developer's best friend anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and does it fit with with companies becoming so well yeah of course they've become so, so big at the moment that the, 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 the tech that's not not for nothing that we have this term tech giants uh, uh that these tech giants are now yeah, facing a kind of a size where this 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 um yeah counter movement is taking place is yeah. it yeah it's it, it's probably size and indeed the huge amounts of profit because it's it's literally billions uh, uh per quarter that they uh, they have in, in in profits right so it's yeah, it's um, it, it, it's an interesting question. If if I look at this topic from a strategist perspective, mm-hmm. I'd say as a strategist, what you want to do is you don't want to compete; you want to avoid competition. So the best strategy is to do something where you're not going to have any competitors. So either you're entirely unique, you're the only one who has a certain type of technology or a certain type of product, but, you know, keep it to yourself, Mm -hmm. but then at least you want to dominate that, uh, that space because the fewer competitors, the more profitable you are. So as a strategist, I I help companies to try to become dominant. (laughs) 
then I take off that hat and I put on my my hat as a citizen of this country <laughs> and, and so from a from a political and as a, a political perspective I mean whoa wait a second companies that don't have very many competitors that's not a good idea yeah so so socially we want to have enough competition yeah so that so that you know they they, they can't reap excessive profits so over the backs of customers so th this is oh, but this is a, a, an interesting balance <laughs> yeah, too so much power the, the and interesting thing often is that if companies become too large then you often see a small company who disrupts the field and then they they vanish again eh? and and for example in in computer uh, science we have seen that several times with with hardware vendors who were huge and now don't exist anymore and some software vendors as well and and so i think it's very interesting to see what this may be the start of eh? because Indeed, we have some huge uh, companies now, but there are also some disruptors already in these fields. Uh. In the previous generations, um, the, the, the disruptors were seen too late by the big dinosaurs, and the big dinosaurs kind of responded by saying, uh, we're big and huge uh, and we'll fight back. Mm -hmm. The new generation, who just uh, a short while ago were disruptors themselves. Apple was a disruptor, Google was a disruptor, Facebook was a disruptor. They, they still remember, hey, wait a second, you have to watch out for these disruptors. So you know what we'll do? If we can't beat them, we'll buy them. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> you, you, you can wonder again from a societal perspective, whether we should always allow the big dominant players to buy the disruptors yeah um because they're just taking away so all of the potential new competition yeah 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 uh, whatsapp was bought uh, instagram was bought says uh, you can then as soon as you get to a certain size um the big companies are going to try to buy you and you have to be really um, quite committed to ha remaining independent mm -hmm. to turn down those billions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I have to turn down billions. Uh, yeah, everyone has its uh, price, yeah, in that sense, right? I, I can imagine that everyone has its price, and that that indeed, uh, if the offer is large enough, then that offer, uh, the financial offer against principles, will not stand anymore at at a certain level. Yeah. Yeah, or, or you, yeah, or you have to be very principal about something. That that could be uh, the only yeah. uh, the only case to to hold on to. But yeah, on the other hand, then indeed you also can kind of feel happening that then this big tech giant will not buy you, but will develop the technologies themselves within a fraction of time that you did uh, develop the uh, the technology, or they will copy it huh, in one way or the other, and and you're out yeah. of business anyway. So yeah, yeah, I can imagine that this is really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, from a strategic point of view, and in, indeed as a uh, as a as a citizen point of view, so free the free market economy is a good thing. Yeah, you, you see that also. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe the um, uh, hospital area, so the uh, the medical uh, medical area, 
There, there's this also taking place, right? We we like to see some free market economy in uh, in between hospitals. On the other hand, I just saw on the television, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, uh, a very nice interview with a couple of um, uh, what is it, directors of hospitals in the Netherlands, saying that this the, the COVID period was the period where they worked together the best and uh, uh, the most. Uh, in in well maybe ever right because they had to uphold a kind of a free economy and had to battle against each other for delivering the best uh, medical service to uh, to people and now they have to work together to deliver the best medical uh, uh, treatment to people and that's that's a really strange thing happening out there right I mean on one hand they have to do shit to do free market economy but on this hand yeah they they want to to work together on delivering the same goal and eh? the the best medical treatment for people yeah no it, it's uh, it uh, and and so finally in in the medical sector the same thing is happening as almost everywhere else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's and that's that it's always a balance between competition and cooperation mm. and we jokingly call that co-opetition <laughs> there, there's there's so many sectors i mean if if you just go to your local supermarket um, you, you know, the, the supermarket needs to work together with the producers of the goods coming in um, because they, they need to have their supply chains uh, nicely organized, but they don't want to pay that much either. So on the one hand, they, they fight their suppliers for lower prices, uh-huh. and they work very tightly with them to promote their products uh, to be able to, to, to satisfy the, their customers. So there's there's always this mixed situation in which you need other companies, you need your distributors, you need your suppliers. So sometimes you need the company you're outsourcing to. Um, so you want to work together. Uh, there's a lot of gain to be uh, in, in cooperation. But you also... If you're not locked in, you have your freedom to maneuver. You can get the best for your. By the way, maybe your your listeners will enjoy. I, I always call this this coopetition. Mm-hmm. I compare that to: Do you want to be married or do you want to be a bachelor? So, <laughs> so if if you're the type of if you're the type of organization who wants to get married, you say no, no, no. Work together with others. So dare to tie the knot. So dare to invest in each other because if you work together very closely with the other, so you can buy a house together, so you can have kids together, these long-term investments, yes, you're tied down a bit, but it's worth it. Get married. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the next company will come along and say, hey, wait a second, that doesn't sound like a good deal. So <laughs> I like to fool around. I want to have my freedom. I want to be the master of my own destiny. So be a, be a bachelor. So you can have a one night stand. You can, uh, so there's no strings attached. Don't be, you think you're the spider in the web, but you're not, you're the fly in the web. So <laughs> you know, guard your freedom. <laughs> mm. Well, what's right? Is it better to be a bachelor or is it better to be married? I would say, well, okay. there's something to be said for both of them. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. And that's yeah. strategies to think, yeah. hmm, when should I get married? When, when should I remain a bachelor? Or maybe there's something in between. Yeah, 
Yeah, to you. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. You can take that an analogy far away, indeed. Also with with married and being a bachelor and and stuff in between. <laughs> Maybe let's not go there in but detail. Well, I, just, I just want to make sure that nobody say, you know, says, well, but Professor Ron said yeah. I was a to fool around. It was just an example, guys. I just, there's, there's no a good point. Anything. Yeah, that's a good disclaimer to not, put. I did uh, not give you a, a free pass. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good disclaimer. We'll make sure to uh, to put the disclaimer in, uh, okay. in this podcast, I think. Yeah, <laughs> on this episode. Um, yeah, so so yeah, indeed, the best of both worlds. Uh, find find elements on, on both areas that fit you, or or so indeed on a strategic level, it could also be that you would go for all the way for full marriage, or you would get go all the way for for the bachelor version, right? Are there specific considerations for companies to think about this? Eh? Because in real life, between persons, if you marry or remain a bachelor, that's often also a cultural choice or or maybe by habit but for companies there i can imagine there are some kind of rules that apply if you have one goal or another goal do you have some experience with that oh absolutely um but uh, i i would argue that in general uh, you have a lot more freedom to develop a specific type of strategy than you think. So it's not, you know, it's not a fill in and, and you know, a fill in the spreadsheet and out will come the right strategy. Um, let me give you an example uh, again of, of two very comparable companies taking a very different type of approach. Um, if you know, if you go to the high street and, and I, you know. I, I, I know this is a technology podcast, but I'm just hoping there's a lot of women also listening. So, sure. Um, so I, I'm going to, let's not just talk about cars anymore. I talk about, although, I mean, there are plenty of women who love cars, but let's talk about uh, an example of a company where the majority of their customers are women. Uh, clothing, so say retail clothing. If you go to a company like Zara mm-hmm. uh, in the high street, so Zara is a a typical example of a company that doesn't really like working together with others. They they want to be dominant. So they want to do it all themselves. Okay. So if you look inside the company, they actually run the entire supply chain themselves. They have their own designers. They have their own factories. They have their own trucks. They have their own stores because they don't want to be dependent on anybody. They don't like working together with outside organizations. That has enormous advantages. So uh, you can streamline the entire process. So you can make sure that you know their, their whole idea is fast fashion. Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. get it from design into the stores within six weeks. And if everything is done by yourself, it's easier to organize. Ooh. But if you go three doors down, you see a company like Benetton. Mm-hmm. Benetton is the absolute opposite. Benetton doesn't have any own factories. They don't have any own stores. They don't have any own trucks. Mm-hmm. Benetton is an example of a networked organization. They do the designing of the clothing. They run the brand. And they work together with partners on everything else. So they have long-term strategic partnerships with suppliers. 
and they support those suppliers, but they say, no, we don't want them inside the company. We want entrepreneurs running their own business who really feel that they own this, this production facility themselves. Same thing when it comes to the stores. They don't want to have their own stores. They want to have an entrepreneur running the stores. So there's a, we feel it's much more an advantage just to run a network of entrepreneurs it's yeah, the same yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, approach. Yeah, would you say that uh, indeed in this case the Benetton type of company is more the marketing-driven company because it, they originate more from from marketing perspective and then steer indeed all the different parties together to deliver well, the message that they want to bring across and in, in this case in clothing, but it could have been well in cars or in 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 pencils or in any other object, right? Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. And back back to technology. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 20 years ago, Apple was just like Zara. They wanted to do everything themselves. Yeah. They wanted to make their own computers. They wanted to have their own operating system. They wanted to make their own software. They wanted everything Apple because they felt that if we control everything, we can have it perfectly the way that we want it. We're not going to become dependent on anybody. Yeah. It turns out that that also has downsides. <laughs> and they learned the hard way that, oh, maybe it is better to sometimes outsource things to partners and work together with partners. Yeah. But even if you're a partner of Apple, you know that they don't really like cooperating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really like working together with it. It's because they have to, mm-hmm. but they still want to be the dominant party. They want to be on top. Yep. So they, they'll they outsource their production, but under their conditions. And that lets you into the app store because they figured out that they need to have a number of de- developers, but under their circumstances. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, they're still the bachelors who <laughs> kind of now have, a, have some fixed partners but they still want to do it the way they want it yeah yeah, 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 (laughs) they don't really want to be equal partners Ah, so so, so sometimes you're again between bachelor and being married there's a lot of different variations and apple has gone from being pure bachelor to having having some um some sex buddies but but (laughs) but it's not really but they, they deep down, they want to run the show themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's other companies that are very, very good at running a network and saying, look, as long if the network is strong, so we'll all win together. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But there's no, uh, I mean, there's no end conclusion to this, right? So, so both type of companies could 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 win, eh? Could uh, if you would bring it to a to a contest uh, or something like that, right? If if you were if you were Darwin, you would say, "Hey, wait a second. Yeah, you can you can win by being an elephant because then you're big and strong and you can squash something. Yeah. You can also win if you're as, as a, a virus or a, as a, a bacteria yeah. because there's also an ecological niche. Yeah. So you can have a number of different animals all taking a different part of the ecology and being able to be successful." Right, and some animals are just more successful than others. So there's a lot of different types of ways you could compete at the same time, and you could have your own niche. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but now I'm thinking one thing that you don't have in nature is a government that sets some rules and and 
well interferes with what companies would like do, do you think that governments indeed have a lot of effect on, on strategic choices of companies no you're, you're absolutely right uh, uh, in in the in the natural world there's there's a different type of external conditions uh, cl the climate is changing uh, they, uh, they, an asteroid suddenly hits earth all of these things can change the game uh, but there's nobody consciously trying to influence the game and and of course in in our in our uh, economy the government is trying to influence the game and and it's a good thing they are because you, know, you can get much too strong this is a overly uh, powerful so organizations uh, and you can try to to create conditions under which there's new startups can actually evolve um, we have to make sure that we can protect the customers so because you need to build in checks and balances um, but uh, so it, it's a good thing that government does interfere. I'm, I'm in that sense very much for interference. It's only really tricky to interfere if you don't really understand the system. <laughs> and this is where hmm, so there's a lot of politicians who say, yeah, I have a good idea, let's interfere here. So, and you're interfering in a system you don't really understand. It's like so, uh, I'm operating on a human so, because I, I hear this cough and I'm thinking, Maybe if we saw off this person's leg, maybe that'll help. Uh, or, or uh, <laughs> oh, I have a good idea: bloodletting. Let's <laughs> let's use a blood sucker. I've heard somewhere that that actually helps if people are not feeling well. Uh, you know, we have a long history in which people interfere, so, and they're called doctors, but they interfere in people's health. Well, they don't really understand what they're interfering in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah so. or, or you have this nice example of interfering in nature where, where we think, hey, it, it might be a good idea to, uh, uh, to put uh, rabbits on uh, a big <laughs> island because they yeah. eat the, or, or put sheep on, a, on an island because they eat the grass and it's growing so fast. And then all of a sudden yeah. you have a sheep problem or a rabbit problem, right? And, and then you yeah. want to introduce a fox to eat all those rabbits. And then all of a sudden, yeah. Oh, Etc. Etc. So yeah. Actually, actually, in the case of Australia, they yeah. actually introduced an illness. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Rabbit yeah. illness. Yeah. Uh, and then now suddenly you have millions of dying rabbits. Rabbits. Uh, it's, yeah. it's the disaster gets even worse. Crazy, crazy. There was yeah. also something, but I'm I'm not sure about the story on in, in Australia with uh, uh, camels. I believe it was. There's a huge amount of oh, camels yeah. over there. There was also something strange happening yeah. there and they they breed they, they and broke, they... they broke loose and there were too many camels and yeah 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 we're thinking maybe we need to shoot the camels but then people say no 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 you can't shoot camels because <laughs> yeah. same now, thing now in south in south america i think it's in colombia <laughs> so mm -hmm. where pablo escobar mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. a private zoo and the and the the yeah. hippopotamus they had a, a number what's the 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 plural of hippopotamus hippopotami i think yeah and now there's hundreds of these <laughs> animals in colombia in the rivers and they're going well, maybe we need to do something about that <laughs> exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I um i was allowed to ask you guys a question too or at least to, sure. to field a talk because we've been talking about uh about what's a good strategy but 
but I also want to use this opportunity because there's a lot of you know people listening who are, are really tech, tech savvy mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're thinking about the technology of the future. And I hear from a lot of people with a technology background, they say, well, you know, if, if they should listen, the strategists should listen to us more about where technology is going. Mm. And, and, and I would say, that's a very good idea. So, uh, <laughs> I, I find a lot of people who are tech savvy somehow or another don't feel like they should be that involved in the strategy and you know, I'll leave that up to the business types. So, mm -hmm. so, but, but yes, you say you do need to get involved. Having said that, we have, we don't really know what's going to happen in the next couple of years in almost all technologies. So the, the, the paradox is strategy is about creating the future. It's about setting a path into the future. And at the same time, the technology is not only changing very quickly, we don't know how it's actually going to change. So how do you set a course if you don't know what the future is going to be? Uh, yeah, 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 that's a good question. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, Something that I would say to that is um, by setting a course, you can try to let technology help to follow that path. And because uh, often I think new things are invented because people see a certain problem and then try to solve it. And strategists yeah. might point out the problems. On the other hand, sometimes somebody just has a great idea and then uh, tries to find what can we do with this. Uh, so, the, the, um, again, you have both sides. Uh, just you made a comparison between marriage and bachelor. And here it's also, do we want to do it bottom up or top down? And I think both could work. Uh, um, the trouble today mainly is that the advancement of technology is so fast that the average management structure in companies can't keep up. Yeah. And, and, um, so I don't I, know if I really answered your question. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if I can add to that, I think that the, yeah. the, the last uh, and the last part is really interesting because you see. Uh, in product development, you see a, a big change, a big movement taking place for, for years already from going from a kind, kind of a linear product development, uh, which is quite lengthy in time, uh, waterfall. to uh, waterfall uh, methodology, uh, uh, indeed, towards uh, a much more agile way of working uh, in order to be prepared to change much quicker to changing environments. Right? Sometimes it changes from outside. Uh, Ron, you already mentioned that sometimes we have changes from outside we cannot control uh, up to a meteor hitting the earth, uh, for example. Uh, but there are all kinds of uh, influences outside that we cannot control. Why, why, uh, and, and because of that, we have to change our path or change our technolo technological choice even. And then it helps to, to have an agile methodology in place where you can say, okay, today we were working with a big team of people towards building a, uh, well, I have a water bottle in my hand, uh, towards a water bottle that is uh, smart enough to detect whether the water in the bottle is uh, clean or contaminated, for example. But then all of a sudden, the earth is hit by a beautiful meteor, where, uh, which makes, it, makes all the water uh, on earth uh, drinkable, uh, for example. Strange situation, yeah. but still. Yeah. 
So the need for that whole product <laughs> is gone because all the water you would drink anywhere is perfectly fine and is, is nice and drinkable. So you would need to change in order to yeah, do something with that technology. That's one point. But also find something for all the people you have in your service, all the, the engineers to, to, I would not say it bluntly, to keep them busy. That would be a bit uh, uh, too blunt, but <laughs> you, you have to find a way to survive as a company, right? So you have to to yeah to quickly pivot on the spot and to follow a new technology maybe, or use the same technology in a different way. And um, uh, uh, so in that sense, it's indeed, uh, you have short-term agility, but you have to have a long-term uh, vision on where you want to go to because if you would work only on short-term visions, then you would be like a goldfish going from left to right in your bowl and that's it basically because hey i see something happening to the left okay i'll go left hey i see something going happening to the right i'll go right and then you would go back to the same spot time and time again so you would have to have uh, a long-term vision a long-term goal uh, a path where you can uh, aim towards where you also have to and that's where what rick mentioned the find the solutions for problems that you've defined uh, or that you want to have strategists help you out with defining so you can gradually work your way towards that end goal and um, yeah, maybe also feel satisfied in reaching that end goal. So there's also kind of a degree of satisfaction involved instead of hopping left and right and uh, being agile. So, yeah. yeah, and what I also think is, is important these days is that you have mixed teams, cross-functional teams with several skills because to act quick enough, you need different uh, uh, capabilities uh, already being together to uh, yeah, invent solutions and, and bring together uh, technologies and also use new technologies. Yeah? Because sometimes one person invents a kind of a technology, let's say 3D printing, and then somebody else thinks, oh, now that we have 3D printing, we can do this with it. Um, and, and therefore, I, I think uh, yeah, to be agile, you need a mixed team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. So um, in, in what both of you are, are saying is uh, Thomas saying, hey, wait a second, we don't know exactly where we're going. So and, and we don't know what might change. So we need to be agile. Mm -hmm. And Rick, you're saying is that you know, I might need a, a mixed team to kind of be cr more creative and come up with potential new solutions. And the common thread between both of you is we need to recognize that we don't only don't know the answers, but we can't know the answers. Yeah. So actually, strategy is just your current best guess. <laughs> so, uh, we, we need to guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on. So I'm a yeah, professor of yeah. strategy, but I yeah, have yeah. to tone down the expectations. Yeah. <laughs> so no one has the answer. It's no yeah. one can have the answer. We are, strategy is just your current best guess, which makes it, you know, make an educated guess. So look into the, you guess, you know, mm, this seems like a good idea, but I'm betting. So, and if you start realizing you're betting, He's saying, well, but maybe if I'm betting, I should spread my bets because mm. I don't know what's going to work. Yeah. Hey, wait a second. If I know that I'm betting, so then I need to keep my eyes and ears open because I'm going to place my bet. I'm going to take this, so this calculated bet, 
But if I start seeing that maybe things are going to the left or the right, I mean, uh, maybe let's intelligently move along with that bet. And sometimes you're going to say, whoa, that was not the right thing. Let's kill this project. It ain't, ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that sense, strategy is also a portfolio of bets. And don't bet everything on one bet. <laughs> Because yes. there's, I always yeah. joke, there's two types of people. There's people who don't know that they don't know the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's people who do know they don't know the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's be the people who do know they don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, oh, well. And if we know that we don't know, so then we have to start thinking about placing bets and finding out. And we need to be agile. <laughs> well, that that being said, I'm, I was uh, just looking at the time, and we are uh, well. Yeah, uh, uh, I think already at the end of this podcast, <laughs> the time really flew by, uh, Ron. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, uh, and 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 I also think it's a nice message to end with what what you just said: uh, the do know and don't know of what you don't know. And uh, uh, specifically, also that is at least for me quite reassuring. Uh, uh, to know that uh, uh, we do not have the answer yet, or well, maybe ever, uh, in, in terms of okay, what technology will lead us in the next coming of years and what kind of choices do we have to make in order to make the best out of it. It's also reassuring to know that you, uh, yeah, you, you sometimes you do not have the answer and that well, strategic thinking and uh, uh, putting a strategy out there is the, the best guess, the, the best educated guess that you can, can deliver. So. I like the message. Thank you very much for that. Great, you're welcome. Yeah, oh. thanks a lot. Yeah, that, you're welcome. That really brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, so I'm going to thank uh, uh, again Ron for uh, being present and uh, uh, having the conversation. And I will thank the listeners uh, for this podcast. Uh, and I would say until the next podcast. Yeah, see you again. Bye-bye.